one of the Sundays that we weren't here, Matthew and I were in Sicily with Paul. So when we were there, we had some time of listening to Paul because Paul shared in the church and we had some times of ministry. So on one of the meetings, I got this word for, for one of the meetings and we listened to Paul the night before and the next day we were driving from house to the church in the car and I just got this word about uh, not feeling guilt and shame when we hear something that might need changing. And I heard God say to me that he wanted people to leave with a sense of, yes, I heard what was said, and I will do something about it. Rather than just, oh, yeah, that is me. I feel so bad and guilty that sometimes I do this or sometimes I do that. So then we arrived at the church, and I wasn't sure. I was like, oh, is this the word that I should be giving to church this, this evening? So we got there, and um, God said, yes, definitely it's for now. It's for this person. So I didn't say that it was for the person, but I gave the word, and about 15 people came up. And it was a really, really beautiful moment of people letting go of guilt and shame, including that one person that God told me there was four. But then so many more people came. Um, and in that moment, I thought, okay, this word isn't just for here and then, and we can all be freed from guilt and shame. And so I want to share with you all, because I'm still on a journey of letting go of it. So once, when we were in Sicily, Paul looked at the prodigal son story again. Um, and it helped me understand the father's heart on a deeper level from the perspective of guilt and shame and where it comes from. So the story kind of goes like a man has two sons, and one of them, the younger son, asks his dad for the money, and he goes off, he spends it all, then he has no more money. There's a famine in that country. He ends up working in this farm where he feeds pigs. And then if you look at verse 17, the first slide, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And we, between myself, Adam, and Paul, I think we looked at the prodigal son for a few months now, and it's so many things that you can learn from it. But amongst all the amazing things that we can get from this parable, recently I was amazed by how the father reacted. This parable and a lot of the parables that Jesus says in the New Testament, are a representation of the kingdom and of God. And I loved the picture that God was just waiting for the son. God was just waiting for me. Even when he was a long, far way off, the father was there filled with compassion. Um, which made me kind of like ask this question again. And every now and then I reevaluate how much do I know the father? How much do I trust in his word? Because I know there are times when I don't act like a son. I know there are times when I make mistakes and errors and I don't live up to my identity of a son to the father. And when I do that and I realize what I've done and come to him, my first thought is not that he's full of compassion for me and he's waiting for me at the end of the road. My first thought is like, I feel really bad and um, I don't know how to tread around him. And I think that is true well, for me, and I hope some of you can identify with this, but I do this with, with people as well. Just this week, um, very quickly, I, I forgot to like turn off 
the heat of the school, and I realized very, very late at night, and I was very worried that they're going to go, you know. In my head, the school was going to burn. So I woke up Matthew at 11. I was like, Matthew, 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 I think I'll have the heaters on. And Matthew's like, you, you have a cleaner at school. She'll do it. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Anyway, long story short, we get in the car at 11 at night. Um, and we don't have a key for the gate, you see. We only have a key for the door, so we had to shuffle under the gate. Um, <laughs> needless to say, the cleaner did, of course, turn everything off, put the alarm. But... Anyway, on the way back, this is half 11 and I, this is way past my and Matthew's bedtime. And I feel so bad for getting Matthew out of bed. And he said, oh, it's fine. It's a bit annoying, but it's fine. And literally, <laughs> it's true. He was fine. But all insane. The entire, like, the entire drive there, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's fine. And then I'm like, and then he's asking me, oh, what are we doing tomorrow? And I'm like, I can't even talk normally because I'm feeling so bad about this thing. <laughs> And like, and he's like, okay, let it go now. And I'm like, but I'm so sorry. Anyway, we get there, and it's dark, and we shove under the gate, obviously. And I, literally the entire time, and this is my husband that, you know, I've known for almost nine years. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so, babe, I'm so sorry. And then we get in the car, and of course, by this time, it's like 20 to 12 at night, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, babe. And the next day, I'm so sorry for last night. And... I think at one point he was like appreciative that I was feeling so sorry, but at one point I probably got a bit annoying, like, okay, I told you it's fine. Like, I forgave you. We talked about it. You said sorry. Let's move on from it. And even every now and then when I would remember, I'm like, oh, what have I done to him? Poor husband of mine. <laughs> Woke up at 11 at night to drive. By the way, the school thought it was such a commitment that they gave him the Coke of the week. <laughs> I'll take it. But it made me really think how I am with God. And I am like that. And maybe not so verbally, but I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. And God is not really there, the actual voice to say, it's fine. Like my husband was, you know. And I kept going on and on and on and on. Like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. You got up for me. And you're so tired. And you've worked so hard. And we do that all the time. So it was a good when I thought about it. Now we can laugh about it. But what I realized from this story and from how I am with God, that this thing says more about me than it says of the Father. My words, my thoughts, my actions, and my reactions often say more about me than anyone around me, which is something I've learned the last few years. Because if I act in a certain way or I do something, it's because something within me that causes me to react that way, not always around me. Um, if I feel guilty and not compassion from the Father, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have compassion for me. It means that I am still learning that he loves me no matter what, and I'm still not sure how he will react to this really bad thing. Because in my head, I still measure them, and, oh, is this too bad for him, for him to forgive me this time? Or maybe he will forgive me, but he'll give me this amount of time for me to feel bad. And, but those things are nothing to do with him. Those things are me. He's, he's still... What does that verse say? Um, but while he was still long, a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. That is the father. And he didn't change his mind about me. He is still filled with compassion for me. He still runs towards me, throwing his arms around me. But because of my own shame and guilt, I don't always see that. Because of my own 
mindset because of my own experiences, I don't see that. The father was no waiting for the son at the gate to give him a lecture or to tell him that he will be welcome back once he felt sorry for himself and worked as a servant for two weeks. The father was waiting for him to throw his arms around him. It was nowhere near in his mind or heart to say something to remind him about what he did. God does not want you to be in that place. All he has for you is love and compassion. But what I've realized that is if he isn't coming from him, then where is he coming from? It's from me. He doesn't want the guilt and shame from me. I want it. And perhaps I want it, perhaps I create it. If it's, you know, if it's not in his mind, then it's in my mind. I've created it. And I, perhaps I want it because I think it will make me feel better if I feel bad about it. Perhaps I think I deserve the punishment because I've got it wrong. Perhaps I've got it wrong so many times that I can't even imagine a father who feels compassion towards me. Different past experiences for us can make us feel that we don't deserve things. I have spoken to some, many people that were like, I understand that God loves me, but I'm, I've been so bad my entire life, not even God could forgive me. And, that, and then it's like, well, do you know God? Because the God that I know, there's nothing too big for him to forgive. Um, and I'm not saying that not being sorry or owning up to what you have done is not good. But the, and the son in the story, he, see, he did say sorry. He said, I have sinned against heaven and against you. But he did not stay in that place. And sometimes we might believe that we are being humble if we feel guilty. If we feel ashamed, like, oh, poor, horrible me, I'm so, so bad. I know this is so bad, and I know this is bad. But if I do that, I, I, uh, God will feel bad about me because he sees how horrible I feel. But I do that with people around me as well, as you have heard. But I realize that sometimes I do something wrong, I apologize, and I did mean the apology, but then I carry on feeling guilty. And I might say things like, are you sure we're okay? Are you sure you can forget this big thing? Or with God, I might say, is this, this, is this thing too big for him to forgive me? Or like, maybe I think, God, can you, forgive, can you forgive me this time? Because I have done this thing five times now, and it's the sixth time the cutoff point. But I think that the only thing we do when we do that is that we are taken away from what Jesus actually did. We are saying that the price that has been paid isn't big enough. We say, my guilt and shame are going to help me more than the cross has. He already he has died for all our sins, past, present, and future. There's nothing more or less that you can do for him to forgive you anymore. Guilt doesn't take you anywhere. It keeps you down, heavy, and burdened. In the story of the prodigal son, we see the younger son realizing what he has done, realized who the father is, and probably felt some guilt and shame because he said, I'm going to say this, I'm going to tell him that I'm not worthy to be called his son. He thought to himself, he isn't worthy to be called the son. But then, what did he do? 
Once he realized all that, he didn't stay in that guilt. In verse 20, we read, so he got up and went to his father. That is a, a great step that sometimes I probably miss, or I do it after three days of feeling guilty of, I'm not worthy to be called your son. But he says, so he got up and went to his father. He didn't let him, he didn't let this thing keep him down. He chose life and got up and went to his father. I think in the next slide, we see, I think it's the verse 20 again, yes. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The father had nothing but love and compassion for him. Because even though he had prepared all this speech, didn't he? he said, oh, I'm going to go there, I'm going to say, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I don't have to be in the house anymore. I can be with the servants. He had all prepared. And I was like, I could identify myself with that so much. I've had so many times a little speech prepared in my head, either for God or people. Like, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this. And then once they hear everything, hopefully they'll be ready to forgive me. But the father didn't even wait for the speech. He knew the, fa- he knew the son's heart. If he came back home, he was like, this son of mine is coming home. I'm not going to wait for his speech. I know what, he, what, what his heart is. I'm going to run to him before he even gets to me and gets a chance to talk. And I'm going to throw my arms around him and I'm going to kiss him. The only reason the father wanted him to realize what he has done is so he can come back and move on and not be kept in that place. That's the only reason the father wanted him to realize. Not for him to feel guilty, not for him to stay in that place. And part of our discipleship is to learn about ourselves and grow and become more like Jesus. Which means there will be things that I do things that I say that aren't like Jesus. And in the right discipleship relationship, you will have time and we will have time of repenting and asking for forgiveness. Times just like the son that we decide to get up and go to the father and do something different about it. And what does the father do in the moment? He comes and he throws his arms around you. He waits for you with love, compassion, and not because what you did was great, but because his grace is bigger than my sin. And this is a great place. I know that I am in the right discipleship relationship, that I can do that, that I can, you know, I've had these times, and I'm sure some of you will as well, and I'm sure there'll be more times to come, that I've heard something, and sometimes it's not always the easiest thing to hear. And in that moment, I'm like, oh, yes, that is true, that is me. And I can see myself make, like, you know, you become smaller and smaller. I don't know how much smaller I can become, but... (laughs) Like you feel yourself so tiny or maybe in the chair or where you're sitting, you're like, yes, that is me. And you recognize it. But in that moment, you literally can do two things. You can be feeling like that and go home and feel like that and then go to work and feel like that and just carry on like that. And that, what that does is just moves you away and away, away from the Father. Or I can feel like that and it's true. I have done that thing. I recognize that in myself. But the only reason that this person is sitting here with me, telling me this thing, or the only reason that God has revealed this thing to me is because he wants me to learn from it and move on. Uh, I can learn from it, repent, and move on. I know, and out of the two, I know which one brings me more life. And I'm always going to choose life. In the story after these verses, it says that the father threw a beautiful, beautiful party for the son, and he enjoyed it. And I thought... Could I have done that? 
Could I have enjoyed the party through in my honor straight after I felt so guilty? You know, the, the son could have easily sat in a corner feeling very sorry for himself, like, oh, my poor brother, look at him. He's been here all this time, and I've been out spending all the money, and now he's a party thrown for me. He could have easily done that. The truth is that the father has thrown, thrown a party for us, and unlike the son, we don't receive the, the welcome and the party. We choose to sit in a corner feeling sorry for ourselves at the party thrown in our honor. And I have been at probably at many parties thrown in my honor from God that I have like been like, oh, no, 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 this is too much. Oh, no, I don't deserve this. But the son didn't deserve it. The party wasn't thrown in his honor because he deserved it, because he was like, well done for going and spending all my money. <laughs> it wasn't because of that. It wasn't a well done party. It was you have come back home party. You are, you, you are back in the family. You are dead and now you are alive party. Not all those other things. This is not what the Father wants for me. He wants me to rejoice with him. In Galatians 5, verse 1, we read, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do let be yourself be burdened, and not, not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. He set us free to be free. If he has set us free, but you still feel burdened and bound, then what was the point? And, um, you know, the, we all, we've all been in that place of apologizing or realizing what we have done and then carrying on in that place. Um, and I think this story that of me and Matthew made me realize that sometimes that at one point, it probably got a little bit annoying, me keep repeating, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, are you still okay? Are you, are you sure you're okay with me? Are you sure it's fine? I, I'm sure they got a little bit annoying because the person that wants to give you the forgiveness, especially the father, is like, yes, it's already been given. It's already been done to you. But thankfully, the father is always patient and always loving, and he doesn't get frustrated with me, even if I ask him. A lot of times, like, are you sure it's fine? Are you sure it's fine? But it is fine. And at one point, I have to accept that it's fine and then move on from it. Um, I'm not saying, you know, go around and do whatever you want, saying whatever you want, hurting people around, and then feel okay about yourself. I am just saying that when repentance comes from the right place, because the son's repentance came from the right place, that's all it's needed for the father. Repentance from your heart. He doesn't need a ritual or anything more from you. You have returned home, and the party begins, and he is ready to celebrate with you. In Luke 15, verse 10, we read, In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And we repent, and when we repent from the right place, that is the only thing that he needs. And the truth is that, Every time, every single time, with no explanation, there is rejoicing, and the angels are rejoicing with God. And um, I thought it would be a great time for us to have a moment where we give over our guilt and shame. Um, I hope this is not just me feeling like this at times. I think it's more—it's for, for all of us. But I thought we could pray together.